Hey everyone, welcome back to our podcast edition. This is Cece. And this is Claire. And we have our letter to the podcaster edition of our 25th series of Sendition. We cannot wait to he- for you to hear from our guest today. His name is Moody Ramon, and he's here with us on call. Moody, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Ms. Moody. I'm a programmer of, what, eight, nine years. I'm also an avid Dungeons & Dragons player. Uh, I play once a week with all my friends, and I run the campaign. I'm the Dungeon Master for the campaign we play. I see. Um, so for our listeners who are not exactly familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, do you please give a summary of the general structure of it? Yeah, so Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop role-playing game, similar to RPGs like Zelda, for example, right? If you're familiar with that franchise. Mm-hmm. But instead of playing it as a video game, right? Where a game developer chooses what you can and can't do in the world, right? Is a game you play only with your imagination, some paper, and some dice. Uh, as a result, in your in this imagined world, right, you can do essentially whatever you want within the confines of the imagined reality. Before you start, so you have a dungeon master, right, who imagines a world and a story for the players to play through, and then you have the players who each design and create their own characters. Uh, you play as your character in this world, and the dungeon master decides what do NPCs and what um, items and what happens to your characters as you're playing. Uh, together, the DM and the players weave together a story, right? Where the DM poses a problem, right? And the players have to figure out the solution to the problem in order to progress the narrative. Um, overall, it's, it's a pretty, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's a very, it's, it's, it's a hobby that requires a, a level of, of uh, investment, right? both in keeping track of the plot as it's going on, right? And paying attention to what everyone's saying, because the little details are often incredibly crucial, right? Because you, there's no visual medium going on here, right? It's all being told through spoken words, bits of paper, uh, DMs on Discord, and your imagination. Uh, as you play the game, your characters can gain experience and level up. Uh, and one of the other, uh, sorry, another part of the nature of D&D is that you can do truly whatever you want, including modifying the rules however you want, you know? Uh, sometimes uh, sometimes uh, in certain campaigns, right? You can level up your characters once you've killed a certain number of monsters, or maybe if you hit a certain amount of XP, right? And sometimes you can level up when you hit a major plot point, right? So you just beat the Demon Lord, right? That might be a good cause to, for a level up. Um, yeah, so, oh, yeah. The gist of the game. Speaking of uh, oh, two things, I know you said that you can change the like the rules of the game, right? Is that something like the players do or the dungeon master? Yeah, so there are there's the official rule book, right? Made mm-hmm. by Wizards of the Coast, the guys who invented Dungeons and Dragons, right? And you could play by the book, right? Um, however, yeah, it's kind of boring, right? The rules are game are really long, they're really tedious, they're kind of a hassle to play the game exactly as it's intended, right? As a result, right, it's uh, up to the discretion of a dungeon master in order to figure out what rules you want to play by, right? However, that doesn't mean the DM has free reign to do whatever they want, right? The purpose mm-hmm. of being a DM is to make an enjoyable experience for everyone, mm-hmm. right? And while, like, as a DM, you could, like, spin whatever arbitrary rules you want, right? You have to keep in mind what 
fun for everyone and then balance and generate the game according to what's fun for everyone, right? So some people might not, some people might not like combat, for example, right? So you might modify the combat rule so the combat goes by a lot quicker, okay? Or some players like might not like enjoy role playing, right? They really enjoy the whole like technical aspect of like doing the math and like how much damage and what effects your characters have, right? Mm-hmm. But in addition, right, you can add in rules to add say specific nuances to combat that aren't present in the vanilla rule sets. You know, in that way, you can really tailor uh, Dungeons and Dragons to fit how you and your players want to play the game. Okay, but I see. It's important to remember, at the end of the day, whatever the DM says goes. You know, they are right, the yeah. definition of people mm-hmm. who are generating the universe, right? You mm-hmm. can't argue with the DM, you know, and if you put your face into the DM, put your face in the DM, right? To like make the proper call uh, for the situation at hand. Okay, I see. So just going back to like the general workings of the game, how do you join a game? So you join the game by getting some paper, a pen, some dice, and your friends, right? You guys mm-hmm. sit together, you figure out who wants to be the DM, right? So who wants to do the extra homework of like writing a story, figuring out like the characters in that story, right? And figuring out how you guys, the player, all fit into that story, right? As well as working with uh, the players in order to um, design the characters you want, right? So if, mm-hmm. if I, as a DM, I'm trying to run like a low magic type of scenario, right? Where magic is a rare commodity, right? You, I mean, it's like in that universe, right? Having like a high withered elf wouldn't really make sense in that universe, right? Because magic isn't really a thing for that specific world I'm trying to build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it goes, uh, yeah, so you figure out who wants to be the DM. You sit down with your friends. And then the DM will start telling you the backstory, right, of what this world is like, what the different factions are, if there are any countries, any notable people to remember, right? And then you play your opening scene. And the classic opening scene is that you and your party are all sitting in a tavern, and a mysterious figure comes up to you and offers you a quest. That's the same opening that I have used countless times, and it's always, mm-hmm. it always works, you know? Because taverns are always places where shady, cloaked figures hang out. You know, and there's always a lot of uh, room for antics and for shenanigans to go on in a tavern. And obviously with like the pen and paper thing, especially now that most things, I feel, obviously things are changing now, but for like a year, at least in America, COVID was like pretty bad <laughs> and put everything yeah. online. But I know you mentioned that people still play over Discord. Yes, yes. So, uh Originally, we play with pen and paper, right? But then mm-hmm. the pandemic happened, and like no one likes holding a paper to a camera. It's just, it's just like, hey, look at this. Right? Yeah. Oh, uh, so we had to uh, transfer over a lot of the tools we use over to Discord, right? Mm-hmm. We found a Discord bot called Avray that does a lot of the heavy lifting oh. for us, right? Mm-hmm. So we load in our character into Avray, and Avray remembers which character belongs to which Discord user. You can oh, command wow. like exclamation mark attack with like my sword, and then mm-hmm. the bot will automatically look at sword. It has a one d six for damage. R- roll that one d six and add on whatever modifiers you have, and it's all automatically. You know, so it's oh been, wow! It's been a real, it's been a great help, you know, because usually you get pretty good at like uh, rolling your dice and reading them pretty quickly, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the bot's been able to automate a whole lot of that, as well as like keeping track of like little details, like who, uh, in what order do people fight, you know? Or keeping track of something like um, 
I don't like uh, status buffs and debuffs on on uh, players and monsters. Mm-hmm. I see. So while yeah, while the initial transition to a virtual D and D was a little jolting at first, right? Uh, yeah. It yeah, it it definitely like I feel like came out for the better. Don't get me wrong, D and D is the game much better played like in real life. You know, where like you're in the basement with your friends, you have a huge table, yeah. and like, and, like you, you get like, a whole bunch of junk food, and you just waste yourself while like pretending like to slay a dragon in the uh, in your imagination, right? Mm-hmm. And but hopefully, you know, once uh, real life really starts up again, right, and my uh, campaign can get together every Sunday properly, uh, we can do that, but with Discord as well, you know, just to like help us keep track of some of the nitty gritty details that we had to do manually before. In a way, you know, it was an improvement. Mm-hmm. I see. It seems like it was a lot easier and simpler to keep track of various day-to-day things for D and D. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. In addition to that, what you just mentioned about the, the day-to-days for D and D, right? Like the D and D, the universe you imagine can get like incredibly expansive. You know, mm-hmm. to the point where like you can have characters, and each of those characters can have their own families as well, right? And then when the character dies, you can start playing as like your descendant. And then you can have oh. properties that you own. You can pass it around to other people to your descendants. And then those properties can have a passive income depending on like what they are. And the game can be as huge and as nuanced as you want it to be. You know, not everyone wants to like write up laws of inheritance for a foreign land. For a foreign land yeah. while you're playing D D, right? But if you uh-huh. want to, you totally could, you know. And you could like imagine a world outside of like the immediate vicinity of your players, you know, uh, so that like things are always reactive. Everything's always changing. You know, your players are always on the top on their uh, on top of their feet. That's the problem. Thing. They're on top of their toes. No. <laughs> no, you're not on, on top their of feet. Their toes. On their feet. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. I don't remember. I think on their feet. Yeah. English? On top. I think we're all just Pain on top of foot. No, on top of your feet is not a thing. Right? No, on top of your toes. I'm pretty sure. On your toes. On your toes. On your toes. toes. Yeah, I think on your toes. On your toes. Keep you on your toes. No, on top of it, just on your toes. All right. On your toes. Nice. Um, You mentioned that, like, you meet with it before COVID, right? You meet with your friends every Sunday. Um, Did you. Like, is this the original group that you met with when you started playing Dungeons and Dragons? Um, not exactly. No, people have come, people have gone, right? And some people will just pop in every once in a while when they have some free time, right? Um, the only person who's been like really like there from the beginning, high key, is me, the DM, right? Because I'm the one who's been like telling this ongoing story the entire time, right? Mm-hmm. But even then, I had to take like weeks off every once in a while, right? Because I had an exam to take care of, or I was just feeling burnt out that day and just wanted more time to like write um, the next part of the story, right? Um, because like some DMs do prefer like generating the entire story from the start, right? That's a lot of work. I don't do that. I generate the next story point points like a day or two before the actual um, session, right? And then I kind of like ad lib my way through the major points that I had set up for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the original question? I feel like I didn't answer it. Oh, it's just like, um, I mean, you kind of answered it. Like I was talking about, like, was this the same group that you had been meeting with since the beginning? 
Oh, the, yeah. Actually, the funny, time funny, funny, funny uh, anecdote about that, right? The very first session of D&D I played with my friend, right? It was mm-hmm. me, the DM, and it was eight other people. All at once. It was wow. me, and then I had to keep track of, like, eight different people and where they were and what they were doing, right? And to, like, make it so much worse, right? Two of those people, they were um, uh, Aarakopolis, right? Which is a, uh, it's a race of bird people in D&D, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And they can fly. Right. Oh wow. And I hadn't quite anticipated how many of the puzzles I had designed could have been like subverted by people who could fly. Right. Uh, and like keeping track uh, of combat in three dimensions was a whole like oh. brain fuck for me, honestly, right? It was such a pain. <laughs> After that, like and a lot of DMs have their own like really weird rule. Like some DMs like don't like having magic healers, some DMs don't like having healers, some DMs like me don't like bird people. <laughs> I just don't like dealing with like three D in the air combat, right? It's such a hassle. Okay, that's yeah, that's understandable. Yeah. Technically, you are the DM, so anything you say goes anyway. So yeah, you can't exactly have a problem with it. So, how did you first get into Dungeons and Dragons? Like, like when I did mean, you start playing? I started playing with the rest of my friends. Actually, no, I started playing in middle school, but it was really bad. Mm. We didn't know what was going on, right? We didn't we didn't really understand the concept of a DM. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like we each just shouted what our characters <laughs> were doing, you know? Oh so my it goodness. Kind of like, it, it, it really was not too unlike a bunch of little kids like playing like pretend fights on the playground, right? It's like, yeah. I use my sword of fire! Oh. No, I use my shield! Oh yeah? I use my shield shield that cancels out your shield! Oh yeah? I use my oh, sword sword that cancels out your shield shield! You know, it was a whole, it was a whole, uh, train wreck. It, it was really, it was really bad. You know, <laughs> and like, we, and at least we were like, cognizant enough to realize it was really bad. It was not fun at all, right? Uh-huh. Um, and so we stopped playing in middle school, right? And then those friends, uh, went, and then, um, the friends, I, I'm not, that was a long time ago, right? High school yeah. came around, and D&D always was, like, a part of popular culture, you know? A lot of, uh, a lot of today's video games, right, have a lot mm-hmm. of uh, cues from D&D, right? You know, in RPGs in the beginning where you have to, like, pick stats for your character, right? Your mm-hmm. character, and, like, the typical stats are, like, strength, charisma, wisdom, yeah. agility, etc., right? All yeah. of that's, a, that's a direct descendant, the direct DNA of Dungeons & Dragons influencing today's uh, culture. When did you first start becoming DM, though, instead of just a player? Oh, I was never a player. Oh, oh you right. Oh, I am so sorry. Right. I'm so sorry I was a player one time. Fine. I'll get to that, right? Okay. But I was a DM because, like, no one else was particularly interested in being a DM, uh... right? Because it is, frankly, like, a lot of work, you mm-hmm. know, involved in, in the position, right? Yeah. Um, but like I've always enjoyed writing short stories, right? And I figured like being a DM the way I can write stories and like have people live through them as well, right? And all the wacky elaborate tales that I usually keep on my hard drive, right? I can I can like share it to other people, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the one time I was a player, right? It was for for another friend's campaign. But the thing is like it wasn't that fun because the DMs during that time, they were, they were very kind of like very disengaged DM. You know, they wouldn't really use adjectives to describe anything, right? Mm. They would just like very blandly say like, you're in a tavern. A figure <laughs> approaches you. And you he know? gives you a quest. <laughs> oh, and he gives you a quest. The cloaked figure says, go to this city and obtain like this gem. 
you know, oh, it really wasn't boring. that bad. I wasn't into it at all. We, that, that group disbanded pretty quickly, though. Oh, no. Especially because I feel like at the DM, it's up to you to kind of like maintain the energy of the table mm-hmm. as well, right? You're right, yeah. Everyone's a lot more engaged when you yourself are like really trying your hardest to like make the story sound loud, to sound bold, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's aspect like writing the story, but then aspect of being a good storyteller as well, right? Right. You have to be able to keep people engaged uh, while you're telling, like, while you're like narrating events. Uh, as well as like knowing when to stop narrating and when to open the floor, when to open the floor for the players to interact with the world, right? Mm-hmm. And these things you went from like trial and error as a DM, right? Like when to yeah, stop, when think, to start again. Yeah, no one, no one is born a dungeon master, right? It's very much an acquired <laughs> skill that you have to just mm-hmm. keep DMing over and over again, and eventually it kind of clicks for you, right? What you like as a DM, what your players like, and like how you can meet the middle between those two desires, you know. Um, and have a good, a fun campaign for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. And I know you mentioned that, like, you were writing short stories and that you wanted to share as uh, being a DM. But in general, where do you get your inspiration for your campaign stories? I mean, inspiration comes from a lot of places, you know. As some other DMs will tell you, they're like, they're reading a science fiction fantasy novel, you know, and they get inspiration mm. from that, right? Um, I'm not that high class. I watch TV sometimes, and I, so as, on, like, really bad days, I'll just, like, recreate an episode from shows that I watched, like, one-to-one, you know? Uh, I remember one time I did uh, a retelling. You know uh, the novel Aragon? Aragon? Aragon, Aragon yeah. No. It's very much uh, a generic, like, fantasy story, right? You have dragons, mm. uh, uh, people who ride dragons. Dragons are all, like, Things elves are assumed to be extinct. You have like orcs and dwarves and human settlements and an evil king, right? Mm-hmm. It's very much a generic story, right? But it's a it's an incredibly polished generic story at the same time too. You know, mm-hmm. a polished it was it was, it was one of my favorite books, right? Uh, mm-hmm. I did a retelling of that entire story, right? I just swapped out some of the characters to like uh, accommodate for the fact that there's multiple protagonists involved, right? Um, but I really just followed the events of the book, like one to one, you know, maybe change the names around in case some of my players had read Aragon as well. No one <laughs> was the wiser. They thought I w- I wove like a grand tale of political intrigue and like and like a complicated war. No, I was straight up Christopher Paolini's novel. All right. <laughs> Don't tell my players I told them that. I told them that, right? Um, otherwise, sometimes I'm just, I just daydream about, like, funny scenarios, you mm-hmm. know, like, this other time I, wrote, I ran a story, it was about, um, a dragon was attacking a nearby village, right? Mm-hmm. And you had to go and slay the dragon, but upon entering the dragon's <gasps> lair, you found uh-huh. out that <laughs> the dragon is actually, like, incredibly distraught, right? Because it had just lost custody of their child, and... There was, um, and there were more, they were crying over a large, like, piece of obsidian, right? And attached uh-huh. to the obsidian was, like, a little, like, macaroni art, like, that their kid made. And, and so you had to figure out how to, like, console this, like, Oh, no! Dragon, <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Um, what, if I remember, I think they accidentally destroyed that bit of macaroni art, right? Oh, no. And they ended up having to kill the dragon anyway. Ah, no. It was a very sad. I got to role play as like a divorced dragon, you know? So I had to like do the voices. I had to figure out what do I say to really drive the point home that you just killed like a father, you know? Yeah. 
it was fun for everyone. Well, it was fun for me. I don't know if it was fun for them, though. They were very upset <laughs> at the end of that session. Wait, so the DM also, because like, the dragon is technically a non-playable character, right? Yep. So it was up to me to figure out how the dragon reacts, what the dragon mm. does. For me to keep in mind the character of the dragon, right? And for me to make choices in accordance to the character of the dragon so my players can also reliably predict what the dragon might do. Now, because no one liked having an unpredictable, or rather, no one liked having every single character be unpredictable according to the whims of the DM, you know? Mm-hmm. While, like, it potentially could have been funny for a one-off gag to, like, just have the dragon instantly kill them or whatever, right? No one wants, well, that's not, that's not fun for anyone involved. Yeah. yeah. It, would, it would give me, like, half a second of, like, sadistic pleasure, I guess, not <laughs> even. But even after that, you know, you just everyone's dead. What are you going to do now, right? Nothing. The game ends. Done. Yeah, so, so, so it's up to you to keep your characters in mind and to act as your characters in accordance to their motives and in accordance to what the players have done, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's kind of hard too, right? Because it's hard to remember every single thing the players have done, right? And how that could affect the character right now. And because of that, more than once, I've had to deal with like plotholes, right? Where like the characters like have killed someone's family, right? And they're talking to the the, the survivor of that massacre, for example, okay? Mm-hmm. And I I I forget that their family got massacred, right? So the character I'm playing as is pretending like, oh, nothing's wrong, you know, until the the players point out that oh, we're the ones who like killed your family, you killed then the freaking clicked, family, oh yeah. Yeah, so then I gotta, like, make a whole nother plot point. It's like, oh, they have, like, amnesia or something. Ah, you know? <laughs> uh, like, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, while I could recidify that mistake, right, and just admit to my players that I made a mistake, right, it's much more fun to never admit that. <laughs> because by refusing, I don't usually, usually I'm all for admitting when you're wrong, right? But yes. here in D&D, right, when you play along with the mistakes that you make, right, and when you play along with the antics of your players, uh... right, you now have a lot more room for, like, more story, right? And for a more interesting, more, like, a more, inter- a more interesting story that's worth investing in. Mm-hmm. Like, right, like, you're ad-libbing the fact that this person has amnesia now, and you're like, oh, oh do we do? Do we tell it, them right? that we killed their family? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, who gave them amnesia? Why do they have amnesia? Is there a reason you want to cure them of their amnesia? Or do you think that mm-hmm. having amnesia is like to your advantage, right? Mm-hmm. Is there an event in the future that might cause them to suddenly like re- regain their memories, right? right. Now that if they do regain the memories, what are they going to do the next time they interact with the players? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? So just to clarify yeah. mm-hmm. about the game, so the DM is basically in charge of all NPCs. So yep. anybody who's not a player that is part of your campaign, you are the one that's playing the NPCs. Yep. Okay, just to clarify. Mm-hmm. Are there things that you particularly like dislike about being a DM? Um, like pet I peeves? Dislike, I dislike when my players completely throw me for a curve, right? And they do something so incredibly unexpected, my brain kind of shuts down for a couple of seconds. And then oh. I was like stammering for another 30 seconds. I try to like process what's going on. You know? Like I remember I remember one time, right? I was trying to like weave another like story of like political intrigue, right? Because me and my players enjoy that. Mm-hmm. And um like the, the, the role playing aspect of it especially, right? 
and then like the what I had in mind for them to do, right? That's going to take up like a while was to have them like figure out like who the murderer was at the party, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but one of my players had a lapse of judgment, right? And because they were playing a barbarian, and barbarians were notorious for being very brash, they don't think about their actions, right? Had mm -hmm. the great idea to just kill everyone at the party, thus like wiping out like what was going to be at least like three weeks worth of content, right? All just gone up in the smoke. So I'm like, ah, damn! I don't know what I'm gonna do now. <laughs> I guess you guys get to go home now. They're all dead. <laughs> How did you end up remedying hey. that? What? How did I you end up I was having a, I was, I was having a bad day too. Usually I, um, I was yeah. And then uh how do you say? I was having a bad day then as well, right? So I figured, you know what, I might as well. Because the only reason they would resort to like large amounts of murder if they if, if like they weren't super into like the character and they weren't super mm, into like um... the actual premise of, of it to begin with, right? And we talked after the session, it was true, right? There was a little too much intrigue for their taste, and a little too much, like, complicated friendships and rivalries, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so while, yeah, I did move out on, like, some, an hour or two of work, of prep work, right? Planning ahead for those sessions, you know? In the end, I think it was better, because now, like, there's room to run a new session, hopefully one that's more engaging for everyone. If there was any... In particular, what was the worst experience you had while being a DM, or as well, very, your first time being a player? Session, yeah. Um, Eight players and two yeah. of them are flying around as well. Oh, and even even worse, one one last detail about that very first session, right? It was that while they were flying around, they were flying around underground in like a three D maze. How do you fly underground? Oh, in a maze. Okay. Yeah, it was like a huge like tunnel, right? And it was like a chasm, and there were like bridges all over the chasm, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, so I, and for, it really bothered me because there are certain like mobility spells, right? And yeah. I hadn't fully fleshed out the exact dimensions of this chasm, so like they would try to cast mobility spells to like get to like different parts of the chasm, right? And I had to completely like bullshit that it was way too complicated for the. Uh -huh. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I was way in over my head. Um, everyone had a blast though, you know, because okay, that's it was so complicated that I was able to like bullshit a lot of ad libs. Uh, and so it ended up like panning out for the good. But not, not every session has ended up like that. Sometimes I made bad calls, sometimes I ad lib something, I ad lib everyone into a corner where, where they can't really get out of. Mm, I see. You know, I just have to end the session and then say, hey guys, I'm in a bad spot. We'll just wait until next week and I'll figure out something for everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was other, another campaign, right? Or the beginning of the current campaign I'm playing, right? Where I turned mm -hmm. that idea on its head, right? Where we started off the campaign as these, like, very strong players, right? Uh, who were being hunted down by, like, by uh, heroes who were sworn to kill them, right? Going off the idea, right? Where if you're a villain, right? The longer mm -hmm. you're a villain, the more powerful you're a villain, right? the more and more heroes who are going to come who train very specifically to kill very specifically you, right? So oh, I had the idea, right, of starting a campaign where the players are these well-established villains, right? Mm -hmm. Like very old well-established villains, right? And a new generation of heroes have risen up, right? Studies like you guys, right? Because the more strong you become, the more famous you become, right? And the more yeah. well-known your abilities become, right? These mm -hmm. heroes who rise up, who very specifically have trained to defeat only you, right? Mm -hmm. 
And so in the beginning, at the very first session of that campaign, right, everyone got killed by the end of it, right? Because the heroes had finally caught up to them, right? Oh no. Uh, the, the second session, right? Like after uh -huh. like the shell like the shell shock of having your characters be killed almost immediately, right? Takes place about like what, what? Like five years in the past. All right. And in this uh, world, five years in the past, right? It was before you guys became villains who rose to notoriety, right? And now that you're in the past, you have to figure out exactly who the heroes are, deal with the heroes before they get strong enough to kill you, right? Mm -hmm. And then rise again to fame and rise again to power without like yeah. triggering that chain of events. Oh, that's very interesting. It is. It's been a really fun quest, yeah. How long does like a quest or like a campaign last usually? Um, I try to take care of at least one story beat every session, right? Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of every session, there were questions in the previous session. I try to have that answered by the beginning of the session, right? And what a quest can is is widely varied, right? A quest can be like go and get. It can be like go and console the dragon, right? That quest took about one session to complete, right? Uh, another quest could be yeah. like figure out where the supply of illegal magic weaponry is coming from, right? That specific quest had subquests underneath it, right? You mm -hmm. complete each subquest and you have to figure out over the course of several days uh, the answer to that question. You know, so a quest isn't a cut and dry event, right? A quest mm -hmm. is an objective, you know? And depending on the objective, you know, it can take god knows how long how do you know when like a story you're like ready to end a school uh i usually have the ending like prepared in advance mm. right so i have all the major story beats written down right i want the characters to meet this uh, this npc this npc points them towards this npc this npc will point them towards this dungeon here this dungeon contains this item to unlock them this other dungeon you go to that dungeon, find the actual final boss, and then they um, beat the boss, and then you know that's the end of that like overarching story. Um, it's everything that's in between, right? That I intentionally leave kind of blank, right? So that I can fill that in with whatever's interesting at that moment. Nice. And sorry, this is like more technical stuff. But how many people? I know you say people come and go, but in general, like, what is the number of I, people in your group? I prefer four people. I feel like four people of varying classes, right? Because I'm lucky mm -hmm. that all my friends have like very unique preferences in the kinds mm -hmm. of characters they play, right? Uh, because there are certain like builds that are... Because being such a diverse game, right? It's incredibly difficult to properly balance each and every single aspect of the game, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so there are some people um, who like to metagame, right? Who like to play the game specifically to like meet a certain goal, right? For example, you can have characters who are like half sorcerer, half paladins, right? They have stupidly, they can do ridiculous amounts of damage and they have really good defense as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, but a sorcerer paladin isn't like the kind of character that typically comes out of imagination, right? The people who play Sorcerer Paladins are people who very who know that already, right? And like know exactly what traits and what abilities they want to maximize on the damage. Mm. I've never had that problem, you know. I've always had at least like a healer type, a magic type, some stealth rogue type, and some like loud fighter type. 
you know? Uh-huh. And I feel like having four people and four unique people, right, is a, is a good number for a camp for a party. I see, because then otherwise you overcrowd and it's complicated, like your yeah. first campaign. Yeah. yeah. And there's yeah. also an element of what of trust involved in the game as well, right? Mm. Where if I'm running with like new people who I've never met, I do like two or three people, you know? Because mm-hmm. I don't know what they like, I don't know what they're planning on doing, I don't know how they think, right? But if it's right. people who I've played with multiple times, right? And people who I trust, and people who can like understand the story I'm trying to lay down, right? And know my style of storytelling and know when to pick up a plot hook that I give them, uh-huh. then I, it's much more comfortable doing more people if it's people who are, you're familiar with. Uh, I see. Okay. Just to wrap up, I guess for aspiring dungeon masters, what is one piece of advice that you would share? Um, okay. I know what I wanted to say. I'm just trying to think how to verbalize this, right? The story you tell as a dungeon master does not have to be an epic story that will last ages, right? Even simple stories can have can make for an incredibly fun time, right? Because of the nature of D&D and how actions take a longer time to process, right? You got fade, you got mark it down, you got roll dice, right? Even simple stories, right? That to tell only take a few seconds, right? When you play through them, and when you act them out, right, they become much more interesting, much more engaging uh, events, right? Mm. So for all the new DMs out there, right, don't worry about writing something big and complicated for, for the story, right? Write about whatever comes to mind and have faith that your players are going to enjoy it. It's really quality over quantity, like how long the story is. Yeah, yeah. I'm- I remember a while back when I was still like, new to being a DM, right? I wanted to spend like two weeks straight on this huge like world building marathon, right? I had yeah. like I had a I still have tweets from it actually. Wait, 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 wait. Oh. <laughs> oh my god, that's a big <laughs> big folder. No, it's not in that notebook. But uh oh it might be somewhere like in the void or something, right? <laughs> it was like I spent a whole like two week marathon, right? Like generating this massive sprawling pirate themed world, right? Yeah. I was just really into pirates for those two uh-huh. days. I don't know why. And there were like countries and factions and factions of pirates and factions of countries and like trade going on between different countries and different pirates. Like and, a whole like, economy. <laughs> yes, exactly. I had written a computer program to simulate the economy for this as well, right? Wow. Yeah. Oh, How much yeah. time I, did I, it take you? Let's not talk about that. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of time, right? To generate uh-huh. an incredibly complicated <laughs> and nuanced world, only mm-hmm. to realize that neither I nor any living person has the brain power to like simulate this entire world in like a way that prevents plot hooks, right? It was uh-huh. far too big and burdensome, right? So all of that work I had to scrap because like I knew at that point that I wouldn't enjoy writing that world because uh-huh. like, one action would happen, right? They have to figure out like who saw that action, of which faction who saw that action, uh-huh. and do they tell their faction? How do they react? And how does like the tangled web of friendship and rivalries like change accordingly, you know? Uh-huh. That's so mm-hmm. much work. I, I, I <laughs> Did you end up using and, parts of your big world in the rest in like your other stories? 
before. Some of the funny characters I caught up, you know, made their reappearances, right? That's mm. how my players knew, you know, because okay. my players don't get to see that behind the stuff, uh, don't get to see the behind the scenes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did, I was able to like salvage some of it at least, you know. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I think one of my favorite characters from that huge world, right, was um, the name of him was the Isekai Hello guy, right? So, uh-huh. uh, I'm not sure about y'all, right? But here in New York City, right, there's a popular uh, food vendor, food truck, right? Or a yeah. genre of food trucks, rather, right? Halal, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, uh, what's ver- known to uh, in vernacular as halal, right? It's really a dish of uh, a baked rice oh, with yeah, grilled yeah. chicken on top, right? And there are a lot of different trucks, a lot of the companies that offer this, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And in my D&D universe, right, I had imagined a random, a, a guy who ran one of these trucks, right, where him and his truck got transported to this, like, high fantasy medieval society. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was only like, really fun, like, three or four week quest, right, figuring out who Iskai Holocart is, uh, what changed about him while he was transported to this universe, right, um, and, like, what's his entire backstory, right? You know what the Isekai, you, you know what Isekai is, right? Isekai? Uh, isekai, it's a genre of anime, right? Where uh, uh, someone in this real world dies and they get reincarnated in a fantasy world, right? Oh, 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 they yeah. often get reincarnated with these like really like, like overpowered buffs, right? So there's, yeah. there's a mm-hmm. whole bunch of them, you know? It's a very popular kind of like overdone genre that I hate personally. <laughs> I think mean, it's garbage, right because they always just boil down to like a power fantasy right where it's like mm-hmm. they know the people who like this and ah, i don't want antagonist by saying this right but like they they capitalize on people who are like losers in real life right that they watch like a, a show about someone who was a loser in real life where they reincarnate as the coolest person in the entire world you know mm-hmm. um it's very like it, it feels like one big self-insert cringe fest right uh, yeah. I, I use this trope because my players aren't the isekai. It's another character who's the isekai, and they uh, didn't, yeah, and they didn't obtain any like incredible powers either, right? They really are just like a normal the halal guy who just lives <laughs> in the main society now, you know, uh-huh. going like trying to figure out like what the closest equivalent to chicken they have in this fantasy world. Oh, I see. Yeah. So they can make his halal. Yeah. That's a really funny story. Yeah, and that's a great part. When you're playing, when you're playing uh-huh. video games, right? You don't have an opportunity to tell stories like this, right? You can't mm-hmm. have wacky characters or like complicated stories yeah. or like interesting things going on. You know, the way you can implement them in Dungeons and Dragons. Right, because they're all already decided for you. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in your imagination, you know, anything goes. Mm. Well, oh, you should. Your... You should. You should plug. Did you know the document I made? The yeah. No Frills Guide to D and D. Yeah. The official rule books is really long and boring. And before that very first session, right, I told all my players like, "Hey guys, you should read the rule books." And I realized no one was going to. No read one's going to read the rule book. Yeah. So I said, "Read pages eighteen to twenty-eight of the rule book," and mm-hmm. no one did that either, right? And so the first session was like no one knowing the rules, including me. I barely had a grasp on the rules either, right? And so I was inspired to like write this document to uh, make sure that anyone I ever played D and D with, right, has that bare minimum to like, have a good time. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. So, I guess <laughs> we can 
we'll put that in uh, the description of the like the podcast episode. So if to our listeners, if you guys want to check that out, it's there. Yeah, it's a real it's a real short, real easy read barely six pages, really five pages of actual text because I like getting white space to keep things uh, cohesive, right? So it's really just five pages of reading, barely. Uh, do you want to t- talk about like building a character? Because uh, character or well, luckily as an NP- mm-hmm. as the one who like writes NPCs, right? I don't have to give them too much depth, right? Because you don't see most NPCs for a very long time, right? Yeah. Uh, a, a problem that other dungeon masters might face, right, is that they might have uh, what are called DM NPCs, right? NPCs that are being run by the DM, right? So they're kind of a permanent addition to the party, right? Right. But the character is being controlled by the DM, right? Mm-hmm. You're technically an NPC, right? But it's really the DM self-insert. That's never a good idea. Right, because mm-hmm. often running like self-inserting yourself into the into the campaign, right? Uh, your DM NPC. I've heard horror stories where um, the DM NPC will be like stupidly overpowered. You know, they'll have oh, like ridiculous what? abilities, be able to uh, like take care of pretty much any problem. Right? It's annoying. Oh, yeah. Right. It, it's it ruins the entire game. game. Exactly, you know, and because like a lot of DMs will see the chance of being a DM as a chance to like power trip essentially. <laughs> as because now they're like the gods of the universe, they think they can do whatever they want, right? Yeah, you know, as a, as a like DM, a god right? complex. You're not, you're not like just the god of the universe, and that, yeah, that's, that's still like kind of blo- like overblowing it, right? You're really just a guy like at, uh, in your chair, like writing words on it, right? Page. But like a lot of people like power trip, okay, and they'll like go insane, like, uh, like happily kill off their entire players and have their like special npc bring everyone back it's more common than you think you'd be surprised right i'll have like some, some like really bad dms like take characters that you spent like months like building up right months like working through their backstory months um like making your character a better person right only mm-hmm. to just insta kill them however they want so that's just what happens when you're the one running the universe you can kill whoever you want however you please so interesting trope yeah how do you like say for example i know you talked about the story where you had like these established villains and then now those were like there were a bunch of new up-and-coming heroes that were trying to kill them right Mm -hmm. were those those heroes were considered npcs or did you they're npcs yeah so i had to play as a hero right Mm -hmm. who set out on their quest who trains to defeat these villains right but after they were sent back in time, right? They weren't heroes uh. at this point, you know? They were just like, I think one was a bartender, one was like the police chief's captain, and then one was like, um, I think one was like a farm child, was, was, was a farmhand, right? So it was through the actions of the villains, right? Actions that happened from such a long time ago, the villains don't remember exactly what they did to set these people on the road to eventually kill the villains in the future, mm-hmm. right? that I had to role play as these villains. I had to figure out how to hint towards the players, right? That these are the people who are going to be killing you in the future, right? Mm-hmm. And that if you kill them now, right? You lose the advantage of knowledge of knowing what their abilities are going to become in the future, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it does raise a lot of questions about exactly how intricate time travel is, right? 
Like, does the very act of you knowing what your abilities are going to be in the future shift what your abilities are going to be in the future? In response mm. to that, I said, whatever, that's so much work, okay? As long as you don't do anything too crazy, they're going to be the same as you imagine them to be in the future. Yeah, yeah. Players don't get the hints all the time, right? Do they? Like, they pick it up. Well, every, yeah, every once in a while, right? I'll leave what looks like an obvious plot hook, right? And they'll, like, ignore it for some incredibly mundane detail, you know? And Interesting. Because my players are, um, in my defense, right? I have never, like, done anything particularly evil as a DM, right? I've never, like, like had, like, uh, sorry, I never had, like, a random button, right? And if they push it, it'll, like, open a trap. I've never done that, mm-hmm. right? Most buttons I create are, like, good buttons, okay? And mm-hmm. if they are a trap, I make it pretty clear that they're trapped if you're, like, in a dungeon or if you're, like, in a banded hideout or something. Oh, yeah. Right? And yet, for <clears> some reason, they insist on treating every button I ever show them with the most suspicion you can imagine. They are terrified of buttons, right? <laughs> I remember in one of our early campaigns, right? They had to raid a bandit hideout, okay? And then at the very in the very front room, there was a fountain, right? And in the corner of that same room, there was a button, right? They saw that button and they spent like half an hour debating on whether or not to push it. Okay? And decided not to. And they go and complete the rest of the dungeon, right? They come back to the front room and look at the button again, right? They spent another half an hour debating over the button, right? Until they finally agreed to push it and to just deal with whatever comes up. Because they were so sure that pushing that button would cause, like, something terrible to happen. Mm-hmm. No. Pushing the button drained the water away from the fountain to reveal treasure in the fountain. That was it. That was all I was going to do. I swear on my life, I have never done anything mean to my player. And yet they're terrified of every button I give to them. God damn. You know? Uh-huh. That's so funny. <laughs> Or I'll, I'll, like, describe, like, all the characters in the bar, right? And uh-huh. almost always they'll, like, immediately go up to the bartender and ignore. And they'll leave all everyone else in the bar for later, right? But no mm-hmm. matter how, like, boring or quick I describe the bartender, they'll always go up to the bartender and try to, like, give the bartender more character. You know? Because they just really like bartenders for some reason. Interesting. I, I mean... My players are a weird bunch. <laughs> Did they... Did you... Like, were they originally friends of yours, or like you became friends because of Dungeons oh, and Dragons? For, we've been friends for ages before Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been friends for, for a long while. I see. It's a great way to keep people together as well, right? Because the commitment to make sure that you are guaranteed to talk to each other at least once a week, you know? So even if you never talk at any other time, right? You can still have that once a week on Dungeons and Dragons to get together for. It's mm-hmm. a great way to make sure you don't drift apart or you don't like end up too isolated from everyone else uh, during the pandemic. That's true. Thank you for the conversation. Been, I really yeah, enjoyed it's it. It's been an absolute pleasure being here. Thank you, Cece. Thank you, Claire. So thank you all for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it and have a good Sunday. Take care, everyone. Yay!